You're listening to I Hate the Fins. Welcome, everyone. My name is Keith. I am your host, as always. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Zach. It's Friday night, which at one point, I would be going out around 11 p.m. And now, I'm probably going to be in bed before 11 p.m., which is pathetic. Makes me feel old. I mean... I would consider myself not old, and that's how I function on a, a week-to-week basis. Even pre-COVID, that's how I functioned. I feel so good hearing that, because I think, what, nine years between us? Yeah, Something I think like so. That? Okay. Uh, we got hate mail. Hell yeah. The okay. only good kind of mail. Yeah, yeah. So, let's see here. Um, I had a couple of good ones this week. Somebody wrote in and said... We sound like Wayne's World, but dumber. Is it weird I mean, that I, I see pride in that? Like, I'm not ashamed. Yeah, no, I mean, we do not claim to be smart, um, you know, and... and oh, God, no, I'm not smart. Dumb is nicer than things that my boss typically says to me, so I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? This one says we just sound like a couple of know-it-all assholes. That's weird. Because wait, wait. I, I like how we have the two opposite ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, we're, we, we spray to uh, all fields on this show, evidently. But yeah, this oh, one yeah. Um, likes the discussions, wishes that we would stop making it about ourselves. Like they're, they're just making that up. That's not true. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think there's times that we, we definitely go off on tangents and stuff too. So. Um, that that can happen from time to time, but like, that's okay. We were just talking about that off air, though. That I mean, how many? And my former co-host Ron and I were talking on Twitter before we did this show, and he put that thing up where he mentioned that there are countless Dolphins podcasts out there. So I mean, I don't know what we could possibly tell you about the team that you can't get from Wingfield because now he's legit with the team Mm -hmm. um kyle krabs Mm -hmm. um i love that guy that guy's funny yeah he's a good dude and then i mean other people i mean that's a pretty uh strong list of football-minded people that you can get your information from and like i mean yeah we talk about x's and o's on this show and everything but yeah i don't know i again you can you can go anywhere on Twitter on you can look through the podcasts available through iTunes, whatever. I'm sure you can find some great Dolphins podcasts out there. So I mean we offer our own takes. We've been fans of this team a long time and whatnot, but I mean I'm just as inclined to sit here and want to talk about uh I bought my brother um I got the last copy at the locals uh supermarket for uh tony hawk pro skater i didn't realize uh, that they put one and two together yep yeah it's, it's a combo um i haven't gotten it yet um i was talking to you today i i picked up that uh the mario game remake so i've been playing some uh mario 64 and uh sunshine so that's that's been some good stuff uh, I, I had the total dad sellout moment mm, wednesday night was there no wednesday night and uh, my daughter is usually pretty well behaved, but my wife was out and it was it was uh, my daughter and me uh, at home. 
and uh she was just getting unruly i don't know what she was pissed about but i totally went and found like some old like video game clips on youtube and she immediately was enamored so now i've nice. i've be- now I've begun that cycle that she knows video games exist. Nice. That's, now that she's going to be living on that iPad at, at two, just like all the other kids now. No, 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 no. So here, here's my, here's my strategy with all of this. Uh, I have a Nintendo switch and I got it right. I got it for my birthday right before I became a dad. And I knew at the time that, yeah, I mean, I love it, but I think Nintendo games are pretty interactive when it comes to little kids, depending on what you're playing um, and the characters. Like if we want to play like Super Mario, I don't have to worry about that game leaving an impression on her that's negative. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there are the games out there where I thought about I was like, this is probably going to pay off in a few years. So she just turned to. Um. We'll see. I'm going to slowly immerse her in some of these old games and everything. And like I said, it was amazing. It was just like this pacifier that just descended from above. And all of a sudden, she was all about it. So, Yeah, I think I think Nintendo... I mean, Nintendo's always been kind of geared towards kids, but I think they also have recognized that their initial demographic was you know, my age to your age. Um, so I think they're, they're finding kind of a sweet spot for both. Um, but I think they're, they're starting to do a good job introducing different levels of games for everybody that wants to get in. Um, you know, uh, one, one of the, um, IPs that I've always been really, really big behind with Nintendo is Pokemon. I, I grew up with Pokemon, everything. Yeah. Um, and so like when they released that, um, that let's go version of Pokemon. That was like a remake of the original games. I was super excited, but like it was more built for people that got into Pokemon go and they built it as kind of like the stepping stone from like Pokemon go to let's go to like the actual Pokemon games. Um, And so somebody that's like used to playing Pokemon, I was like, "Mm, this is not what I'm looking for, but like it's a great method of, of dragging people in that, aren't typically playing the original games and stuff like that and you know creating opportunities for them to to you know sell more product to different levels of folks so you know Nintendo's a great way to go I, I could see your your daughter getting into some of the um uh a lot a lot of the um uh movement kind of games and stuff like that when you know as she develops motor skills and stuff like that or perhaps more importantly she'll just stop talking and sit there and watch me play Metroid or yeah. something <laughs> <laughs> That's my ultimate goal. Um, and then before we get into football talk, uh, make no mistake when it comes to marketing, Nintendo are masters on on another level. They always have been. Uh, did you see kind of related Twitter this week was roasting Paul Rudd? I didn't realize he was in a Super Nintendo commercial in the early 90s. And he's got was he, he? he's pretty much dressed like John Connor in Terminator 2. In oh this in this commercial, yeah, you have to look it up. I mean, it's it's not immediately apparent, but you give it a couple of looks, and you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely Paul Rudd. And he's playing some games I completely forgot about too, like Pilot Wings and everything. Games I was just absolutely. I, I think I have with. seen this. I think I okay. have seen this. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of like lightning coming down and everything, yeah, which seems yeah. seems unsafe. And he's in this like abandoned <laughs> lot. I don't know who who games there. 
But I also remember Nintendo in the 80s, their commercials, it was always like your typical like ABC sitcom looking basement or living room with like these these two knuckleheads would be sitting on the couch playing Nintendo and everything. So, I mean, they mm-hmm. they clearly wanted to make the Super Nintendo look more dangerous, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, he's playing in like some sort of it's like it was fenced off and then the fence broke and Paul Rudd got in and now he's there's just this rando um like big screen almost like a projection screen like something you see at a drive-in or something and he's playing Super Nintendo on it which I'm not gonna lie it sounds kind of badass I mean even almost 30 years later clearly they had the right idea because I think I would do that yeah um uh you and uh Solomon Kindly agent you guys are boys now (laughs) is it yeah, I posted that thread about the the review, quick review I did on Solomon Kindly uh, from this past week's game, and his his agent followed me. So now, so now we're best friends, and and I'm gonna try to uh, maybe one day we'll get Solomon Kindly on the show to to talk Nintendo and and weird bullshit like that. I thought that that Twitter thread you did was really really good. I mean, you you point out the the good, you point out a couple of areas where he definitely needs to focus. I'm trying to think. You had one where you're like, yeah, he dips his head on that one. Definitely something you want to work yeah. on, but definitely correctable. So I thought yeah, you were it's... fair, but I mean, he was awesome on Sunday. I mean, one of the few mm-hmm. things to get excited about with that game. I mean, like, dude, he was out there and just watching him beat dudes down. You're just like, oh, man, when was the last time I saw a Dolphins guard do that? Yeah, I mean, are we talking Vernon Carey? Are we going back, you know, all the way to him at this point? But yeah, no, I mean, like he he came out, he played nasty when he needed to. Like he finished all of his blocks, you know, in the run game, he was fine. He he was pretty solid against second level guys when it came to, you know, first level defensive line guys, he was fine. Um, but that's never really been the major strength of his game anyway. He's always been a really good anchor setting pass blocker. Um, but again, I was really pleased with his ability to punch and handoff and then pick up wrapping guys um, this past week from the Patriots. So, yeah, I mean, he had a, a really nice game. Um, and I think um, Austin Jackson had a, a good week, too. Um, again, nothing spectacular. Had some some bad sets where he overset and stuff like that, but nothing that was like game breaking for the Patriots to to take advantage of him. The one thing I noticed, and I didn't get to watch any of that game or any of the games this weekend because my daughter's birthday party was on Sunday and I was spent the entire day, it seemed, getting ready for it. Um, but when I was able to finally go back and watch some of that game, it is noticeable immediately how much bigger our, our offensive line looks right now. Like, it looks oh, yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, and that was the game plan, right? When they brought all those dudes in, they were bringing in the beef. Um, yeah. The game plan, I mean, and they didn't really throw anything deep um, either, so you kind of got what you expected out of the passing game of, you know, death by a thousand cuts is kind of going to be the way they go. Um, need a little bit more dynamic play from the receivers, a little bit more consistent play from the receivers. Um, but, I mean... They're not going to be asking those guys to, you know, pass it for seven step drops and stuff like that. That's just not how this offense is going to roll out this year. No. Are you worried about a Chan Gailey offense? I saw it took Twitter almost no time to start worrying about that. 
No, I mean, I think it's I think it's fine, and I think Chan's probably had enough time being retired to see some other stuff and put some wrinkles in. Um, you know, I'd like to see him use a little more pre-snap motion, um, not only to check coverages, um, which that that helps for quarterbacks, especially once they put Tua in, it'll it'll make it a lot easier for him to recognize coverages. Um, but just to get guys moving and you know crisscrossing defenders and getting the the defense all out of sorts. Um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more of that to, to mix things up a bit. But other than that, you know, I thought it was fine. Um, the indecisiveness with the running backs until they finally decided to stick with Gaskin was kind of annoying. Um, but at the end of the day, like they're going to go with a stable of guys and run, run all those dudes, depending on the situation. Uh, we didn't even make it to the first half before people started calling for Tua. Which is, I, I thought it was going to be early on. I, I grossly yeah. underestimated how quickly we'd, we'd arrive at that, at that destination, but we're there. I mean, and the thing is, a lot of people think he could, he could be starting in the next few weeks. I do not want that. I don't, I don't know how mm-hmm. you feel about it. That's one of the things we did not, we did not talk about anything to uh, today. I'm very proud of us. For, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to to Tua, I mean, I it's it's aggravating to watch Fitz throw three picks, right? The the first one where um, Preston falls down, like nothing you can do. Receiver can't fall down. That's on Preston. Um, the next one where he like essentially hands it off to um, uh, twenty one. What's his name? Adrian Phillips. Is that his name? I don't remember. He's their their big uh, nickel safety linebacker kind of guy. Um, he just pulls out of the A gap and Fitz just like tosses it right to his chest. And then that last one in the end zone, like I get that you're trying to go for pass interference, but if you're playing the game to try to get pass interference to set you up at the one to run the ball in after four attempts, like that's not a good game plan. Um, so it, it Fitz was aggravating. Um, you know, unfortunately we got Fitz tragic this week instead of Fitz magic. Um, but we'll see going down the line because of one game where Fitz didn't play well, it's not time to toss Tua in there. Um, Tua is still learning, Tua is still processing the game. Um, but I will say it's encouraging that the offensive line played relatively well. Um, cause that was the big concern is new offensive line. Like don't throw Tua in there to get killed. Um, uh, but if they put two weeks back to back and keep building on good weeks as an offensive line unit, that may justify to us sooner than we thought as well too just because we didn't think that the line was going to be any good coming out the gate here on the topic of getting to a mode down did i see a stat that joe burrow last night took more hits during that game than he did all of 2019 at lsu i would not be shocked that 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 could easily be the case he was poor joe burrow was beaten up left and right yeah i feel I feel bad for that guy just because, I mean, I think he's going to be so good and he's playing for a team that so often gets it wrong and finds a way to kill its talent. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, at the end of the day, it's not our problem. Um, they can suck for all I care. I'd like to see Joe Burrow be good, but yeah, me too. I'm not upset if the uh, Bengals continue to suck. Uh, I saw mock drafts. They think the Bengals are going to take a penny Sewell next year well i mean if if they're if they're picking top three i i would i would think that makes a lot of sense 
um, you know, top five potentially, depending on who slides up and slides down. Oh, man. You and I last week were talking about wide receivers, and you said if we're fortunate, we're not going to be drafting one early. I think we're probably going to be drafting one early. Yeah, we we didn't get nothing out of no one this week. I was hoping somebody would do a little something, but the second uh, Devontae went down, um, it was you had a whole bunch of nothing. So let's have some fun with that, though. So if you were drafting a receiver next year, and let's say that you you have a pick that's high enough where you can take anyone. Let's say anyone's on the board. Everyone is on the board. Who do you think best fits in terms of what we're going to do going forward? It, I mean, it's obvious to say, I mean, you can take a Bama guy because they've played with your franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, when it when it comes to receivers, I mean, the thing that you're looking for in this offense is it's a timing offense, right? So you're looking for guys that can separate and guys that can run the routes that you want with timing and with precision to make sure it's a consistent happening of how it's going down. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, I think your guy comes right off the top of the list um, with uh, Devonta Smith. Um, I, I think he definitely fits the bill. Um, again, questions with him aren't, that skill set wise, it's, you know, his weight is the thing that kind of throws everybody off. Um, you know, Jamar Chase is kind of the the top favorite for everyone. Um, I have I have some issues with Jamar Chase still. Um, he had a crazy year statistically last year, but like there's still some things that he he does that I don't love and I'd like to see him clean up. But we're, we're not going to see that this season at this point. Yeah. I mean, I I like Jamar Chase. I don't like Jamar Chase more than I like Devontae Smith. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's that. I've seen a bunch of people on Twitter want Jalen Waddle. I mean, that would also be very cool. Don't get me wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, trying to think about more in terms of what I saw around the league this week. I saw your guy DeAndre Swift. That drop in the end zone at the end of the game was brutal. Yeah, that sucks. I feel so bad for him because that's that's not a good way to start your career and it's it's a a morale killer for you for sure that's probably my favorite nfc team and i think they're gonna suck forever oh yeah i was actually i was barry sanders for halloween when i was like 11 years old so somewhere i know my mom (laughs) still has it i have like i have a lion's jersey and then i have these pants that she made for me and then i'm trying to think i think i had a lion's helmet too i think she bought me one of those like cheap plastic ass ones plastic ones that you could get through like jc penny back in the day you yep. know yeah it was, uh, i'm trying to think who made those at the time i forget but yeah it was it was almost like a little like tiny cheap like riddell knockoff or whatever but yeah so i was buried for halloween and one of the few games i i've i've only i think i've been to three nfl games i've seen in person and one of them was i saw the the lions play uh Tampa at when Tampa was still playing at Tampa Stadium or aka gotcha. the, yeah. the, big, the big sombrero and that would have mm-hmm. been a, that would have been the end of 1995 I remember it was like 50 degrees out and we were freezing our ass off because you go down there you think like you're in Florida it's going to be incredibly balmy it was horrible nope. to, the point, to the point where like this one family behind us felt bad for us and gave us a blanket you know you, you think people from the Midwest 
vacationing would know better and and be better prepared. But like we had shorts on and everything. There's no way, no way we could know that. So, but anyway, I think Barry Sanders, if I recall correctly, I think the, the lions absolutely beat the living hell out of them that day. And at the time I was a big fan of it. Do you remember Herman Moore? Yeah. Their, yeah. their, their big receiver. I was a huge yep. fan of that guy at the time. I loved him. They had some pretty kick-ass receivers at the time because they also had uh, Brett Perryman, who's also the mm. dad of uh, Brashad Perryman. So, oh. New York Jets, great Brashad Perryman. Yeah, right. Uh, have you like have you seen like what their offense is at this point? Like the people they have on that offense for Sam Darnold to work with. Yeah, it's all the pretty much the Dolphins knockoffs, and then and then oh, some other goodness. trash mixed in there. I've I'm not going to lie. I've been absolutely delighted to read because there are a couple of people I follow on Twitter who are Jets guys. And I saw that um, they were going after your boy uh, Manish at one point. Dude, he was... dude, he doesn't have credentials for anything anymore. Yeah. Like, was... he, is, he is out. How does that happen? Because I can think of so many writers I'd love to see get their credentials pulled. And like that would never happen. And then this guy... In New York, it sounds like the NFL and the Jets both pulled his credentials. Like, what the hell did he do? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I have no clue what he did. I I didn't ask my uh, my Jets buddy, but he was pretty stoked about it. Um, and there was a a tweet from um, who's who's what the other guy that people is it is his name like Rich Camini or something oh, like yeah, that? Yeah, Rich, Rich Camini. Um, uh, he he had a tweet this week. Um, where he asked a question at a presser and he, he got something back and Manish tweeted it and like tried to say that like essentially like, hey, like this is what I heard at the presser. And uh, Samini was just like, hey, like you should probably credit people when you uh, quote something that they, they asked on on Twitter like this, especially when you're not actually at the press conferences. Yeah. And then I, I like, saw like they all like, God. <laughs> so what I gather from this is the Jets have two primary guys on the beat now, and it's Rich and I forget the other dude's name. It's not coming to me right now, but um, those two kind of just started in on Manish and just started beating his ass like it was some sort of like WWE thing where they just turned on him and verbally took the ladder to him. And I don't know, I don't know Manish that well, but. I do recall him saying some really outlandish things where I was like, God, this guy's a psychopath. So, you know, he'd fit in well in the South Florida media, but um, I don't know. So I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but it seems like the Jets faithful, the ones who for some reason weren't turning on daddy gays now are starting to. Well, did did you see that um, the quote from uh, Christopher Johnson that like uh, we're gonna be fine? Adam Gase is a, a brilliant offensive mind, and everybody was just like, "Excuse me, what?" Yeah, you just heard the collective groan. Yeah, yeah, because like, like, and regardless if he was an offensive mastermind or not, like their offense right now, their r- running backs are Frank Gore, which love Frank Gore, Lamichael Pirine, who, as far as I understood, was pretty banged up and injured with a, an ankle or a knee or something. And then Kalen Bellage, which they signed him off the street from us because the Dolphins wanted nothing to do with him at this point. And then their receivers are Brashad Perryman, Chris Hogan, who could barely find a job this offseason, 
And I think Jamison Crowder is potentially out this week. So then it's going to be Braxton Berrios. And then, like, I don't think they have any other backup receivers after that. I think that's literally it for their receiver room right now. Like, I, but I mean, this is all they're doing because I mean, you had Robbie Anderson, who's a stud. Yeah. And I mean, you just, you didn't want him back, you know, because he was out there for a little while. It's not like he got snatched up immediately because I think no. it, it turned into an assumption that, because he'd been out there for a little bit, that he was going back to New York. And then lo and behold, there he is. He's in Carolina. So, I mean, they have no one to blame for all this but Adam Gase and Adam Gase's enablers. But the thing I keep seeing on Dolphins Twitter, and it's absolutely true because I witnessed it myself, these guys were warned. I mean, like the, the proof is out there. This isn't something that, this isn't uh, just a bad hand they were dealt. I mean, like he pulled all of this shit with the Dolphins to a T, literally so much so that he, I mean, I, at the time, I guess we commended him for being so loyal to his own guys, but it's crazy how that guy is willing to cut off his nose to spite his face with, with some of the moves that he makes. Like, it's just, it's, it's sociopath level stuff. Yeah. And and it was just so sad when they were like, they were going after Cliff and they were trying to get Cliff to, to be their coach. And then who was the other person that they were looking at at that point? There was one other person, but I can't remember who it was. Um, I got to think about this for a second. Uh, I can't remember, but like essentially once Cliff went to Arizona and like the Did they look Cliff at Kyler Fangio? thing, maybe it was Fangio who they were looking at too, but I like could- they were looking for an offensive guy. You know, they were they were doing that flip flop back to uh, an offensive minded kind of coach. Um, mm-hmm. And like when when Cliff disappeared, their options just like vanished and they're just like, uh, we'll take Adam Gase. And like, I, I just didn't even know what to say to my Jets buddy. I was like, dude, you just you just took an offensive guy off the street. Like, you might as well have hired me. Like, yeah. what's going on at that point? You, you, it was so bad. So, I mean, for for Jets fans, you know, as much as I like to give them shit as much as possible, I hope they suck this year. I hope they get rid of Gase. I hope they figure out who they want for an actual coach. Um, I hope they get the Johnsons in involved in as little as possible in the hire. Um, and, like, I, I'd like to see the Jets be – relatively good i'd like to see the jets dolphins and bills all be relatively good and have good games every year um instead of just like kicking the crap out of each other for the bottom of the pile here um so you know while it's fun to make fun of adding gase and the jets and stuff like it'd be nice to see them be good it'd be nice to see the bills be good and like we actually all compete for the division yeah it's ugly at this point um i'm trying to remember some things about they're already, um, like I said, I follow a couple of Jets people on Twitter. They're already looking at Trevor Lawrence. I keep thinking, I don't, yeah. think, I don't think you're really understanding the problem here. Like, I mean, they're, how did we go from Sam Darnold was the, was the chosen one in New York to all of a sudden people are ready to just toss that guy to the wolves? That happened quick. Yeah, but I mean that's that's how the New York market goes. If you're not instantly a star, they they don't want nothing to do with you. Um, but like the crazy thing is, I think Sam Darnold like is maybe he just turned twenty. I think he just turned twenty three in June. Yeah, he's a so, kid. Like, he's young. 
I I think he's still younger than Joe Burrow technically. Um yeah. so I mean like it's one of those things where at the end of the day, um, you know, if if they end up in a spot to take Trevor Lawrence at one or whatever, great. But like again, your team's so bad that like I don't even think it's worth taking Trevor Lawrence at one because like you got so much to build still. You gotta do the Dolphins teardown. You know what I'm saying? Like the Dolphins did the teardown the year before, let everything suck, and then Tua was taken after the first year with a, a vision of where they want to go. Right now, the Jets don't know where the hell they want to go. So, like, taking Lawrence and then deciding what your vision is is not going to be a recipe for su- success either. Um, you know, not to say that what the Dolphins have done is the recipe for su- success. You know, we're in year one and a quarter, um, so we'll see how that goes. But Real quick, um, what do you think about Buffalo this weekend? It's going to be interesting. I think um, I think both Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are both officially out for that game. Yeah. Um, so, like, linebackers are non-existent for them at this point. Um, their front's good. Their back's good. So, like, I mean, if you can work that in between zone, you know, work some floods and stuff like that, you know, get Jakeem Grant working across the middle of the field, dump it to him for five yards and let him, you know, hopefully pick up another 10, you know, plus. Um, I think that would be good. Um, I mean, again, their defense is is good. They've they've built a good, strong defense. You just don't know what the hell their offense is ever going to be with Josh Allen. I was going to um, say, is he going to you know, beat the hell out of the Dolphins this weekend? He typically does. So yeah. I, I guess that's what we should be assuming. Um, he sucks against everyone else besides the Dolphins for some reason. Um, but I mean, like, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the bills do after seeing how cam ran on the dolphins last week. Um, with that said, that's not like, that's not really Josh Allen's style. His style of running the ball is much more like breakdown of the play. Like I don't have the eyes to look downfield, so I'm just going to tuck it and go. Yeah. Um, and you know, occasionally they'll they'll probably have you know five to six designed read option run kind of plays for him, kind of like kind of like the peak of Tannehill. You know, when when Tannehill was like healthy and on point, you know, you probably saw you know four to six read option kind of plays each week. Um, so I mean, we'll see. But he fumbled twice last week. He had some ugly overthrows and stuff too. Um, again, I'm assuming he's going to come in and destroy the Dolphins like he usually does, but. I mean, again, he's a quarterback you can take advantage of. And, and now that they've seen him twice last year, maybe uh, Flores has a, a better game plan. Mm. Oh, boy. I was going to say, I always come back to what was his first season down in Miami when he had that horrible overthrow and it ended up costing yeah. him the game. I always come back to that. I mean, I don't know. I he's He does some things well. Like, he's got talent. But in terms of, like, being able to read the entire field, yeah, I don't think you're ever going to get that from him. But, no, I, I mean, no. he's he's athletic and he's a human bulldozer at times. So, I don't know. Yeah, but I, but I mean, with that skill set, like, he doesn't need to be a full field read guy. Like, For there's sure. plenty of guys that have had success in the league where it's like, you're reading half the field, you're reading high-low check down, and if you feel pressure before you get through even the high-low check down, just pull it down and go. Um, so, like, there's dudes that have had that success in the league, so it's 
it's not to say that he can't do it and they can't do it that way. Um, you don't need to be, you know, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, read the whole field, be able to go through a, a whole progression from, you know, start to finish, you know, you know, four different routes and then a check down. Like not everybody needs to be that. No, it seems like the the big quality found in the best quarterbacks right now seems to be uh, improvisation. You know, I find that that's yeah. a big one. Aaron Rodgers is a big part of his game. Patrick Mahomes, uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. We saw that last weekend for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a whole other trait that teams are now, you know, definitely looking into when they're drafting quarterbacks is how do you play off script? You know, how do you play when the the play breaks down and stuff like that? Um, you know, it hasn't been a play in the pocket league for a while now, but it also hasn't been a backyard football league. You know, they want you to play within structure. And then Pat Mahomes came in and became the best quarterback in the league. And now everybody's like, I'm not so worried about structure. Let's just score touchdowns and have fun. Yeah, he definitely makes the game fun. I know that's like yeah. a really over overused kind of phrase that, you know, I'm looking for guys that make, you know, make the game fun like a Brett Favre. How many times do we hear that from John Madden? Nobody has mm-hmm. more fun playing the game than Brett Favre. But I mean, like mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, I, you know, there is that kind of like street football aspect where I mean, like he's just making things up as he goes along. And, you know, the, the no look pa- passes, which the first time I saw that, I was like, that's asinine. It's also cool as hell. You know, I mean, yeah. like, hey, man, if you can pull it off. So, yeah, he he's a lot of fun to watch. Kyler Murray's a lot of fun to watch. This is an interesting time for quarterbacks. You know, mm-hmm. there there's an there's a special crop in there where I mean I'll include Josh Allen in there. Josh Allen's exciting. You know, when he takes off running and, and whatnot, that's cool. Even if he plays for Buffalo. And I can't stand the, the Bills, you know. But uh Josh real- Allen's exciting in the same way that like you're watching a horror movie and like you know what's coming, but like you never know when it's actually coming. So every time the ball's in his damn hands, it's like is this going to be a touchdown? Is it going to be a pick? Is it going to be a fumble? Is he going to run it for 70 yards? Like, you never know which end of the scale it's going to be on. So it's like exciting and horrifying all at the same time. So I I do not envy that for Buffalo Bills fans. No, no. I mean, and yeah, that is compelling viewing, especially when you're not a fan of the team. When you watch him and think like, is he going to prosper or completely self-destruct uh, on this on this play? So Real quick before we wrap things up, what do you think of the secondary? Because you know we are the number one pass defense right now. Because you know that, that New was, England didn't really that have to was run my favorite stat. That that was the best stat coming out of this weekend. Like the Dolphins are thirty second versus the run, which like f us, right? You know, like that's that's how it's been. Why can we not get over this? And then it's like, yeah, but they're the number one pass defense, and and like you like to hooray and you know hurrah for all that kind of stuff, but like. They didn't really throw the ball this weekend. Yeah, um, you know, when they did, the coverage the, the coverage was pretty good. I think they had, you know, two passes of like 15 yards or something like that. Otherwise, they didn't do nothing. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's funny and, and it's it's a, a good LOL for week one. Um, I think the secondary looked good. Um, I was super stoked that Brandon Jones came in and, and did all the Brandon Jones things that I, I hoped he would do. Um, Weirdly enough, he came in and played that star role um, and didn't cry to his mom to go home. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was I was very surprised by that. Um, but like, 
uh, I will post a I have a bunch of clips that I pulled of him from this week. Um, the dude plays forward real fast, plays forward aggressive, reliable tackler. And like the craziest thing is like his best play this weekend came from a really weird like five front bear look where he was one of the linebackers. And it was just really weird because like um, Byron Jones was like inside of Shaq Lawson on the play on the line of scrimmage. It was just super weird. But so essentially they, they ran right at him and he he tucked under the, the fullback and made the tackle, you know, one or two yard gain. Um, so like I think there's a chance that the Dolphins potentially drafted a very legitimate tackling strong safety star type of player. Um, you know, he he may not be as dynamic athletically as Minka, um, but he did everything that they asked. Um, he was really good. Bobby looked good from free safety. Um, I know a lot of us kind of moaned about that last year. He didn't play super well at it last year, um, but he played pretty well this past week. Um, he had he had a communication error or two, but that's okay. You know, week one, still trying to iron those things out. Um, and then when it came to the corners, Byron Jones looked good. He looked fine. Um, what you would kind of expect from him. Um, X looked a little slow physically and mentally. Um, a couple couple lapses here or there um, that they got him for. Nothing nothing bad though, but it just didn't look like typical X that you you expect to see. Um, and then Noah Igbenogany, which I loved that. Um, it was uh, Romo and who's Romo's partner for the the call on those games for CBS. He's with Jim Nance, isn't he? Jim Nance, yeah, yeah. So it's it's Nance and Romo, and the first time Romo had to say Igbenogany, he was like, "Uh, no, I'm just gonna pass on this," um, <laughs> which was pretty funny. But, um, but no, Igbenogany looked looked fine. Um, he he was trailing a little bit at times, um, so he wasn't in great position at the the snap. Um, but again, he's a rookie. He's going to be learning. Um, and I think his athleticism and aggressiveness is going to be an asset once he gets more comfortable. So the secondary looked good. Um, I would not say it's the number one secondary in the NFL currently. Um, but, you know, again, um, that stat was pretty enjoyable to start the, the season off. Numbers don't lie, Zach. So. Nah, I mean, that is true. That is a uh, fact. Um, let's see here. On our way out, you have any recommended viewing for next week? What shows are you watching right now? Um, I, there's not really any new shows. I've been kind of looping back through some old shows. Um, I was watching, you know, um, I finally got looped into that um, the Sons of Anarchy spinoff Mayans. Okay. Um, and I was watching that, and then like Hulu just like pulled it off out of nowhere. So um, I got like a season and a half into that. Um. And that that was good, but so I've kind of looped back to um, Sons of Anarchy for now. Is there anything interesting that you're watching? I'm not a big TV guy, to be honest. Uh, I I'm not like we don't even have live TV right now. We have the Hulu without yeah, commercials, and um, but uh, the Boys season two just came out. Did you have you watched any of that? Oh, I have not. Is that is that an Amazon one? Which yeah, which, it's on uh, Amazon service. Prime. Yeah. Oh, speaking of um, things on specific services, did you see um, the did you watch the Mandalorian? Yeah, of course. Uh, Mandalorian season two looks real good coming out. 
Um, and I think that comes out, what, October 30th, they said? Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm excited for that one for sure. Um, but other than that, like like I said, I'm not not a big TV person. Um, I'm just excited to get start getting towards October here to start watching my uh, my Halloween movies. Yeah, that's I might start early this year, too, just because you can. Um, oh, yeah. I, I watch every Tim Burton movie under the sun when it comes to Halloween. We should have a, a show where we just talk about our favorite horror films and whatnot. I have a, uh, it's, it's a long list for me. I saw, I think it was James Gunn or someone. They were having a discussion on Twitter last week where they were talking about the the one scene in a film that just absolutely shook you and still haunts you. And I, I love that there are a bunch of people who shared images from films that definitely got me. Like I saw mm-hmm. like certain things in there and I was like, oh man, like that definitely upset me when I was a kid and I saw that one of them shared a, and yeah. it's such a stupid movie, but have you ever seen, it's the, the, the film of uh Stephen King silver bullet, just not a very good movie at all. Nah. But there, there's one scene when they're in the park and he's with that one kid and he's got that kite and the kite is uh like a smiley face. And then mm-hmm. he, like he tells the kid he's going home. The kid stays around, and well, like the the werewolf gets him. And the only evidence that they have is that kite has a bunch of blood on it, and they show it. And I saw that when I was when I was a kid, and I remember seeing that movie. And then the next night, we went on vacation to uh, Mackinac, which is in Michigan, and mm-hmm. it's the sort of like almost like island looking thing uh, connected by these bridges. And uh, I remember we went on this like bike kind of like this um sort of like bike ride trip which if you know my parents is the last thing they would ever do so that was weird in itself that we were riding bikes but the whole time we did this trip all i could think about was that scene like for some reason it just really pushed my buttons it really bothered me so and keith never flew a kite again no and there there are other things in there and it doesn't have to be horror related. Like I can tell you like one thing that really bothered me, the uh, really shook me the first time I saw it was a uh, you've seen Scarface, right? Yep. Uh the the chainsaw scene in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely I don't know what just got under my skin in every way. And I probably saw that movie for the first time. I was 18. It was probably the Christmas break right uh first year of college and i was going to community college at the time so i was still around town and i remember a bunch of my friends decided we decided we were going to rent this movie because it was never in at blockbuster it was never in stock and we found it and it finally was so i remember watching that and thinking like that scene was coming in i was just like well what's going to happen here and it's the absolute worst possible thing that could happen so it doesn't like i said doesn't even have to be a horror movie per se like that really that bothered me, but I love a lot of those films and whatnot. So we'll have to talk about that. Um, you got to watch the boys though, because you love superhero stuff. And in that they pretty much portray, it's a world where superheroes are lawless shitbags, pretty much. Nice. Nice. Okay. I'll I'll give that one a watch. Just arrogant, terrible people, but the public loves them because they don't know they're not privy to any of their day-to-day dealings, their personal lives and whatnot. Oh, yeah, you got to watch it. I'll give that one a go. Oh, I can't Um, get enough of it. While we're all over the map here, um, do we want to close it out with some college football games this uh, weekend? Yeah, yeah, There's some interesting ones. Yeah. Um, 
So the the interesting nooner one is Syracuse and Pittsburgh. Um, always interesting to see that uh, that Pitt Death Star kind of wind itself up. Um, but Syracuse, Syracuse, um, the one guy in Syracuse that everybody's really interested in for the draft is Andre Cisco. Their their safety, like super boomer bust. He's a dude that's either gonna like <clears throat> show up in his stat line for the week's gonna be like. 10 tackles, an interception, like five pass breakups. Like it's going to be something crazy or it's going to be like two tackles. And like, he gave up like six touchdowns. Um, So he's interesting. Um, And then Pitt's got a, you know, Pitt's got a crazy good defense. Um, Another safety that I really love is Paris Ford for them. Um, So if you're looking for, for potential safety guys that could come into Miami next year, Syracuse Pitt's not a bad game to watch. Um, what else? What else is a non-terrible game? Um, App State and Marshall could be fun. Um, shout out to our, our guy, Chris. Um, App State taking him on tomorrow. Um, I like Zach Taylor. Uh, Zach Thomas, not Zach Taylor. Um, Zach Thomas, the, the quarterback from App State. Um, they have a good cornerback, too, that I cannot remember his name. Um, but did you catch any of the, the Marshall quarterback, the freshman quarterback, when they played... Um, Eastern Kentucky last week. No, I I heard a little bit about it, but I haven't had a chance to watch him yet. He was awesome. Like he was he was dropping dimes and like ripping throws like lasers. Um, I think he was like three hundred yards, four touchdowns, and then I think he had like like twenty five thirty yards worth of rushing too. So he's got he's got a little bit of legs to him. Um, so cool co- quarterback out of Marshall. That's not Chad Pennington would be nice or Byron Lovich. Um, yeah, or Byron Leftwich. Um, and then the night game tomorrow is uh Miami Louisville, um, which should be a bloodbath, um, which will be interesting. And it's our first ranked on ranked game of the year. Yeah. We made it this so, far. Here we are. Yeah, I mean things don't really start up till next week, SEC and Big Twelve start playing games, but there's not any the only good game, actually, I lied. Next week, I think we get um, Mississippi State and LSU. Say, I, I think, think we LSU. also get. Yeah. I think we also get West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and then Kentucky, Auburn. Um, and I think I think when it comes to the SEC games, like they're going to come firing straight out the gate, um, just because there's it's all conference play for them this year. So. Yeah. Um, Starting next week, like games, games start to get legit. Um, but I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like, I think the for the Miami Louisville game uh, tomorrow night, um, I think that's like two really fun quarterbacks that you can actually enjoy watching. Um, Derek King is fun. I still don't fully understand why he got pushed out of Houston. Um, but whatever happened there, so he's fun. And then uh, Malik Cunningham for. Louisville is actually really, really good. Like he's got some weird like technique kind of stuff, but there was also a quarterback that came out of Louisville recently that had some weird technique stuff and he's been pretty fine in the NFL. So yeah. Miami would be way better with Tate Martell. Fuck Tate Martell. I know there's my one F bomb for the show. You you knew you were, you knew you were going to drag that out of me. I know. I cannot stand Tate Martell. I know. I can't wait till he's a dishwasher dishwasher at Caesar's Palace or some shit back in Vegas. 
when he's living at his parents' house. Uh, like wh- when you talk about like arrogant assholes for no reason, like he is one of them. Speaking of though, Spencer Rattler had a pretty impressive mm. debut. Yeah, the the quarterback line for um Oklahoma just keeps going, but like good for them. They actually, you know, sign their own this time instead of taking somebody else's. Yeah, I love the fact though that they're two Heisman winners and their Heisman runner up. I'm taller than all three of them. Like that makes me very <laughs> happy. So, um all right. Yeah, I know that Tate Martell pushes your buttons. I always love bringing that guy up. Oh, God. That and um what else? What else do I like to bring up? Whenever oh yeah, right. Micah Parsons and uh uh Isaiah Simmons is a is a fun oh, one. Oh yeah. That, yeah, let's com let's compare these two guys. You you know the the shit that drives me crazy, so I, I appreciate when you do bring it up. It gets I did my see, blood going. Yeah, there and I saw there was um a mock draft online and it had us taking our uh Rousseau and someone was like, Look, and then Parsons went the next pick, and this guy was like, Look, I'm the biggest Canes fan there is, all right, as big as anybody. But if we're taking Rousseau over Parsons, somebody's dying. I was just like, Yeah, nope. I mean, I think I think the the public slash like general media perception of Rousseau versus like the draft reality for him are gonna be two very different things, quite honestly. I think he's gonna be more of a pick 10 to 16 pick when people are still just chucking him top three no problem um i i think he's a really good player he's a great athlete but like one season of film a lot of his sacks are, are scheme sacks um you know a lot of uh twists and and um wraps and all that kind of crap then they they get him rushing on interior offensive linemen that like he's way too athletic for and he's going to beat every time um you know he's got to work on some bend and stuff like that he doesn't have a whole lot of natural bend but he does have the natural athleticism to generate that at some point but again i just i i like him a lot but i think the perception of like general perception versus like draft reality is going to be very different come april next year maybe may maybe june next year who knows when the draft happens all right on that note let's go ahead and wrap it up before your computer and your lack of uh storage space ruins this uh <laughs> ruins this show so for zach my name is keith thanks for tuning in uh listen to us uh ramble on about random things uh we'll be back next week we might have a guest or two while we're working toward getting a new format for this show in the meantime take care we'll talk to you soon